Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. So, just good stuff happening. Y'all excited this morning? I, uh, so this, so far this year, most of you know we've been in the book of Joshua. God is just using it to show us some direction, some insight. He's teaching us so much. And so I can't get away from it every time I come back to study. Even if I'm studying something else, I find myself back in Joshua. We've had some incredible home groups already this year of people just sharing what God's showing them. And one of the first words God gave us from the direction of Joshua was Joshua told every family to go back and prepare provisions for your own home. And so that's kind of been the, uh, just the feeling this year already is a personal responsibility of people just digging in for themselves, going at it for themselves. And, uh, and so we're staying there. This whole month of February, we are going to be diving into the book of Joshua. Uh, that being said, this month we're also going to launch back into what we call life groups. Uh, so it will be, uh, we'll, we'll, have, we'll let you know way ahead of time, next Sunday night actually will be the first one. Uh, and we're going to actually be doing those in our homes. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to split this up by where you live. If you live in LaSalle, we'll have a LaSalle house group. If you live here in Caldwell, we may have two <laughs> because... Uh, there's just, just more in that area. So we're going to see how this works out. We're going to be keeping you way ahead of this thing, letting you know what's going on. We are completely convinced that the structure of the first church in Acts was they met in each other's homes and they discipled and they were strengthened and they were taught. Uh, so we're wanting to get into this. We're excited about this. So we're going to start these live groups and, and for the month of February at least, maybe who knows how long we'll be here, uh, we're just going to be digging into the book of Joshua. So I'm excited about this. Are you ready this morning? Uh, so I've said it enough times, if you're not already in the book of Joshua, you missed it. We're going to start in the book of Joshua this morning. So if you have your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, whatever you're using, go to Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to read, there's so much of it I want to read, but for today, we're going to read verses 5 through 7. Joshua chapter 1. Verses 5 through 7, excuse me, says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people you shall divide an inheritance, as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only, everybody say only. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. You've already been so good and done so much. Now we ask that you just lead us through your scriptures, lead us through this teaching, Father, that we could uh, hear, understand, know, relate to, and apply this into our lives and begin to live this out and better glorify you. We thank you for it. And the family said, amen. amen. Joshua chapter 1, these scriptures right here, if you've read any in Joshua, you know that God repeats himself a lot. I love this personally about God. We actually, um, in cultures 
where they do teaching right, repetition is the key. So in places where a lot of learning is taking place, a lot of repetition is taking place. It's actually one of the downfalls to the Americanized church is that we're always on to the next thing. We're always what's next. Every time we turn around, and because there's no repetition, there's no meditation, there's no remaining until God told the, uh, God told the Israelites, I'm going to give you it a little bit at a time because I gave you all of it. You couldn't handle it all. But we miss that and we move on really fast. And God repeats himself a lot to Joshua. And for me personally, I love this aspect. Uh, but I want, you to, I want you to pick up on something. If you go read everything he says to Joshua, he's already said the same things to Moses. I, as a matter of fact, it's hard to find anywhere where God says something to Joshua he hadn't already said to Moses. But this is the part I noticed. Like, for instance, we read... Be strong, only be strong and very courageous. I mean, it's pretty simple, to the point. Now go read the same context, the same thing, when he talked to Moses, and it's like four chapters long. This, all right? So to Moses, it's long, and it's expansive, and it details everything. So me, reading them both, started thinking, well, why didn't he tell Joshua all that? Because Joshua served so well, he done heard it once. Joshua already knew everything that said Moses because we have, we have uh, scripture of him hanging outside the tent of meeting and he heard everything Moses was being told. He got to hear it all the first go round. I need to stay on course here. But what happens is a lot of times we're not getting a whole lot of the details because we're not connected to someone God's already telling because, you know, me and God, we got our own thing going on. Show me that in your Bible. Show me the lone wolf in Scripture. If you're not under and serving and hearing, there's so much that's being said that you'll never catch because you're not close to the one that it's being said to. I'm just putting it out there. You can do what you want with it. So Joshua... When Joshua comes on the scene, God is to the point. Remember what I told Moses? Be strong and courageous. And Joshua remembers four chapters of love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Do only what he tells you. Don't. And it goes through the whole thing, and Joshua already knows it all. So God just shows up and says, hey, man, don't forget. Just be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous and remember everything I told Moses. That's it. This is why God is such a generational God. There's so much my son is getting to experience because I'm hearing from God. And so when God starts moving into his life and saying things into his life, he'll get to be more direct and more on point because Stephen's already going to know so much. He's going to be able to say, Stephen, be strong and courageous and remember what I told your dad. If we get this right, Kenny, if we can get this right. I was standing in the sound room a while ago while the kids were up here ministering, standing back there just crying like a baby. Watching the kids ministry, I told Colby, I said, if we get this right, we win. If, if we can actually get this right and raise them the way God designed to, we win. The, there's no demonic force. There's no uh, uh, opposite. There's nothing that could come against us if we get that right. Mm, man, I just stick to this this morning, all right? I'm going to try my best not to chase rabbits today. Be strong and courageous. 
Now, you know me, I couldn't just read this and leave it alone. I had to dig deep. So I went into, uh, some of you that were here have been tracking with us for a little while. We did actually some teaching at the end of the year on strength. You remember this? Dad started it with uh, talking about strength, and I come up behind him and talked about being strong. So I need you to kind of pull from that context and remember that when we're talking about strength, it has nothing to do with your physical ability. All right? We're, 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 we're beyond that. And so, so when I seen this word, I started asking, God, what, what's, what's really taking place here? What's, what are you really telling Joshua in this moment? And so I begin to dig into the word strong, and I would try to tell you the word in the original language, but I'm not going to butcher it like that. So the word actually means to fasten upon, to take hold of, and the other word that it kept bringing me to every which way I studied it was the word obstinate, which I didn't have a clue what that meant. So I did a ton of research, and by that I mean I Googled it. And when I Googled it, I found out that obstinate actually means stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or chosen course, despite attempts to persuade one to do so. So he was saying, Joshua, I need you to fasten yourself to what you've heard. Fasten yourself to what you heard and stubbornly refuse to change your course because someone's going to try to persuade you to. I need you to remain in this place. And so then I went on to courage. And the word courage here actually means a mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So that being said, this would be how we would read this scripture. Only, when he's talking to Joshua chapter 1 verse 7, only be fastened upon, stubbornly refusing to change your chosen course despite the attempts that will be made, and be very mentally and morally strong to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulties. That's what God was saying. God was saying, you're about to venture into some things, and I need you to be stubborn about it. I need you to get some stubbornness about it. I need you to refuse to change your course no matter who tries to persuade you. I need you to remain in what I've said no matter what anything around you looks like. No matter what, I need you to be obstinate. So when we look at this, the promise to Joshua was, was that no man or enemy would be able to stand against Joshua because Abba would be with him just like he was with Moses. We just read the promise. Joshua just had to remain strong and courageous. He had to remain obstinate. He had to remain mentally and morally strong for this venture. And if Abba was net, but this was my question, if Abba was never going to leave him or forsake him, why did he keep telling him, be strong and courageous? Be strong and courageous. Because he just told him, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'll always be right beside you. And then kept saying, but be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He keeps repeating this. I believe it's because there would be moments that it didn't look the way he thought it would. That maybe it would be tempting to think that Abba isn't going to show up this time. 
I mean, we see the past with, uh, with, with, with Papa Moses, and we see the situations and the circumstance that he found in and how several times there was these moments where it was the struggle of if he don't show up, this is it. So we know God is telling him, I'm always going to be with you. But for in the moments that you can't tell it, be strong and courageous. Do not change your course. Never walk away from what you heard or what you were told. The church needs to get some stubbornness about her. We need this thing within us that when God is saying, if you just remain courageous, if you just stay connected and obedient, that you will be able to divide the land to the people as an inheritance. In other words, he was saying Joshua would have the privilege to give them what was theirs. Joshua was going to get the privilege to divide their inheritance to them, their promise, their destiny. He was going to get to hand it over to him if he was only strong and courageous. To me, this is an amazing privilege that if I remain connected and obedient, strong and courageous, then God is going to use me to deliver his inheritance to his people. So for everyone that came in the room thinking, what is my destiny? What is my purpose? Only, only be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous. And when you do, then God will use your hands to start handing out some stuff to people. Because you know what our promise is? It is not God's will that any should perish. It's not his will that any should be sick. It's not his will that any should be in, in devastating situations and broken homes and all this stuff that's in the world. But it's our hands that are supposed to hand out the inheritance. The problem is if we're not strong and courageous, he can't use our hands. So he's saying, I just need you to remain in this state. Remain strong and courageous and you're going to get the privilege of handing out some things. You're going to get the privilege of passing down some things. For me, this is a conviction that I, I, I live with probably the strongest within my own home is that I know I'm to be strong and courageous because there's some things that I have the responsibility to hand out to my kids. I have the responsibility to hand out their inheritance to them. You see it all through the Old Testament, especially that it was the father's responsibility to pass down the blessing to the children. And so I live with this understanding that if I remain strong and courageous, and, and strong and courageous, the easiest way to break that down simply is to remain uh, connected and obedient. If I remain in these places, then I get to hand some stuff down to my kids. I get to hand some things down to my children. And then you take that to a broader sense. If we remain that way, we get to hand some stuff out to our community. Some inheritance, some promises, some destiny that God has on our community. We're supposed to be dividing that inheritance. It's our calling. It's where we're supposed to be. When I read this scripture for, for all that it's actually worth, and you understand this idea of stubbornly refusing to change your course, despite the attempts that be made, and a mental and moral strength to venture and persevere, and withstand. When you know what the Israelites were fixing to go into, all of a sudden this makes so much more sense. They were about to go on a crazy adventure. 
a crazy adventure that was going to be full of all kind of wild moments and tough situations and, and, and all these things. And God is saying, I just need you to stay the course. I just need you to have made up in your mind that you're committed to this no matter what. No matter if everyone else changes their mind. That being said, in my studies, I, I, I do this a lot when I'm studying. I find myself in a really deep study on something that really doesn't have to do with what I'm preaching. But now I see that it works. But I found myself on a very uh, in-depth study on the life of Abraham Lincoln. And if you can't love Abraham Lincoln, there's something wrong with you. He was phenomenal. One of the greatest presidents to ever serve our country and the things he did. But in it, he, he made a statement. Uh, I was just reading a lot of his, his responses and statements and addresses and all those kinds of things he did. But in it, he talks about, I, I want to word this the best I can. Mm, I'm trying to pull it up. Help me, Holy Spirit. In it, when he's deciding that his direction is going to be to start throwing rocks at slavery. When he decided, this is my direction. This is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to be known for. When he decided they were interviewing him about it, and because it was so fought against at the time, they began to ask him questions about how are you going to deal with this? How are you going to, all, you know, all the questions that come. And he said, I'm committed to doing what's right. And if my commitment to doing what's right means I lose every friend on this planet, I know at the end I will have one friend left and he's deep within me. There was a, an obstinate nature about him that he decided, uh, when I was reading it, he talked about there was a certain bill that was passed. He said, we had been against slavery for a long time, but we were silent until a certain bill passed. And he said, and then we realized we can be silent no more. And that was the moment he decided, this is who I'm going to be. And as soon as he did, it came with so much opposition, so much resistance. I mean, a civil war came out of it. You know what I'm saying? And it became this thing. And he knew in that moment, nothing will change my course. Nothing can make me second guess this opinion. And it was because of that, we get one of the greatest things that happened in our country, the Emancipation Proclamation. Why? Because he was obstinate. And he said, no matter what, I know this is my lane. And no matter what, I will not change my course. And jo God is telling Joshua, this is what I need you to be. This is where I need you to find yourself. Because let me tell you something, Life Church. You're not going to go after the things that we're after and think everybody's going to love you. Everybody's not going to be for it. Everybody's not going to be involved in it. So you need to make up your mind now. Is this worth it? Is it worth it? Can, is it worth it to be connected to Life Church and know what I'm about to go through? Tammy preached it earlier. When you start making this direction, it comes with opposition. It comes with a giant standing up saying, no, I was here first. When we decided, when God spoke to, to, to the father of this house, to Papa Dean, and said, God's going to use us to tear down the walls of racism in our community, guess what that giant said? No, I've been here a lot longer than you. I've been here a lot longer than you have. And we went to work. And we chose to be obstinate. I chose to refuse, stubbornly refuse, to ever step back for one minute on what I knew I was called to do. 
on what he knew we were called to do. You see what I'm saying? Without this characteristic, don't expect to get anything done. I'm not saying you won't make it to heaven. Good for you. But you won't change anything while you're here. I want to be a part of a group that so makes an impact, that so changes my community. (laughs) I'm just full of them today, so you're probably going to hear a few. Abraham Lincoln also said, I believe a man should be proud of where he lives. And I also believe he should live in a way that where he lives is proud of him. That's too. Did the dude ever say normal stuff? I wonder if he just woke up spitting these lines and people are following around like, oh my God, this is going to go down in history. You see what I'm saying? I want to be a part of something. But Kenny, it's impossible to cross the Jordan and enter into your destiny if anything can make us, well, maybe not. Maybe not. I thought we were really supposed to go after the supernatural and the signs, wonders, and miracles, but because of all this, maybe not. Maybe we just need to have good church. Maybe we need to leave the racism thing alone. Maybe we need to back up. Maybe we need to quit giving so much. No, 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 no. What we need is to stubbornly refuse. Stubbornly refuse to change my opinion. To change my course. Golly. Don't y'all love the Bible? Isn't it so rich? My gosh. So now, knowing this, you can see that every temptation by Satan is actually just an attempt to get you off course or to make you change your opinion. Let me show you. We decide we believe the sick should be healed. So we start praying for the sick. So Satan jumps on board and starts finding ways to deter us and tell us, well, that one didn't get healed, and that one, and what about this one, and why didn't that happen? And why did so all of a sudden there's a choice. Do I change my opinion? Or do I become stubborn? Do I become stubborn and say, yeah, it didn't work, but I'm pressing in. I'm moved. This is the course he's given me. And I don't get to choose the course. I just got to press in. So he comes to change our opinion, to change our course. And I'm telling you as your pastor, be stubborn. Have some stubbornness about you. I was actually laying in the bed, uh, Last night or the night before, just laying there thinking over all this, and two words came to my mind. One of them was that stubborn, and the other one was inconsiderate. And at first I was like, those are both super negative words. Like, you never hear those two words in a good context. Like, you don't hear someone, you don't hear a compliment of, wow, you're inconsiderate. <laughs> I mean, we've said it, just wasn't a compliment. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But it was like he began to shift my perspective and say there's two words I need you to pick up and I need you to take back and it's stubborn and inconsiderate and I of course I begin to dive into those as well and 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 there's a there's a certain nature about stubbornness that's commendable your your ability to stand on what you know is right is commendable but there's also sometimes when we're I don't know how to do this Sometimes when we're so considerate that I will dumb down what I really want, but because I'm so considerate, I don't know how to do this, y'all. We're wading off in it together. In other words, I really want to step out and just say what I know God, but I'm so considerate 
I'll dumb it down. I, I really, see, we don't really normally see it in this perspective. Sometimes I really want to cut loose and dance like Kenny does, but I'm so considerate. Y'all ain't never seen it like this before. You know what I'm saying? I'm, you know what I mean? And he said, sometimes I need you to get a little stubborn and be a little inconsiderate and remember what I said. Remember what I told you. Remember what I told you. I'm eat up with this this morning. For instance, let's look at it this way. We see this obstinate characteristic in Joshua, who was a type and shadow of Jesus, and then we see it in Jesus, and we see Jesus instill it in his disciples. Watch this. Joshua comes to the most fortified city in the known world, Jericho, and refuses to change his course. It would have been easy to pick another one. But Joshua said, oh, I'm sorry. My path goes right through your city. So either give up or I'll move your city. Oh, y'all ain't ready for this. Y'all came for the felt board and me to sing y'all a song or something. No, no, Joshua said, your city's in my way. And I've been given a course. So either get out of my way or I'll remove the city. I can't handle this. I can't handle this. Joshua comes to the most fortified city in the known world. I actually did some studying on Jericho. It's phenomenal. Do it on your own time. He comes to a territory that's ruled by giants, refuses to change his course. Five kings gang up together because they know they can't take him by themselves. So five kingdoms join together to kill Joshua, and he refuses to change his course. Joshua loses a battle and some of his people die, and he refuses to change course. Even in the loss, Joshua said, I, I, still, I still can't make another option. I still can't come up with my own opinion, even though I just suffered this loss. Even though I just went through this. Even though we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we still lost them. I still don't get to change my opinion. I still don't get to change my course. I still don't get to say, well, maybe there's this way around, or, or maybe it's this, or maybe... No, 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 no. you got to remember what he told you, and you got to stay the course. As a matter of fact, Joshua was so committed to the promise of God, he was, he was caught off guard by losing. When they lost the battle of Ai and the men died, Joshua and his officers go to God, and they're like, why? Why did we lose? In other words, I kept my end of the deal. I shouldn't be losing in this moment. And I believe the reason we've never been so offended with losing is because we've never actually kept up our end of the deal. Losing's acceptable if you know you did it. You get what I'm saying? Backsliding's acceptable when I know it's because I wouldn't pray and study. I can't blame God for my laziness. I know I should have got up earlier. I know I should have committed more. I know I should have been more plugged in. And now I find myself in a, in a, in a we'll call it a backslidden state or whatever works for you. And we're saying, yeah, in the back of my mind, I may be upset about it. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying, I know it's because fill in the blank. But Joshua stood in a place where he knew what he had done. So the loss was like, whoa, wait a minute, I don't lose. This is not a part of the promise. 
We're not supposed to lose. So Joshua comes to God, and you know the story. There was sin in the camp, and they dealt with the sin. Joshua refused to change his course. Then we see it filter over into the New Testament when Jesus is tempted multiple times in the desert and refuses to change his course. He's rebuked by Peter for going to the cross and refuses to change his course. He's threatened by the greatest religious system in the known world along with the greatest government, or or should I say the most ruthless government in the known world, the Roman Empire. He's threatened by both of them and refuses to change his course. He knew, I've got a word, and I'm stubbornly refusing to let anyone alter my course. Life Church, it's time for us to become stubborn about what God has told us. So through the loss, through the Jerichos that we don't think we can overcome, through the, through the valleys, through the mountains, through, through the threats, through all this stuff, there has to be this thing within us that says, I can't change my course. And if this just happens to be in my path, then I must be called to deal with it. I must be called to conquer this thing or it wouldn't have ended up in my course. It wouldn't have ended up where I'm at. I am convinced that this characteristic is imperative for anyone to enter into their promised land or their destiny or their purpose. We see this characteristic in Peter and the Apostle Paul. We see it in Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. We see it in Abraham Lincoln, Reverend Billy Graham, and the list goes on. Any of these people that you know of because they impacted history had to refuse to change their course. They had to know this is where God has placed me. This is what he's called to and I will not change my course. Me and Colby got to talking about the crazy impact of Martin Luther. Someone that was willing to stand up against the, the, the largest, most controlling religious system in the world. And this dude starts studying within their system and realizes, I don't agree with this. This ain't the way God designed it to be. And starts throwing rocks at the largest system at the time. And we're the result of it. Of a Protestant movement that came out for freedom. Why? Because he refused. He refused to change his course. We have to get some grit about us. Something about us that says, Kenny, this is what I'm called to do. I can't help it. I can't change it. I can't back up. I can't stop now. I know I've talked about this before, but I remember when we first started bussing in kids every Wednesday night. Man, we had so many people telling us it ain't going to last. We tried that, this and that, and they were spray painting the F-bomb on our bathroom walls. They were selling drugs. They were getting in fights. We were just all that. But come back there now on a Wednesday night. What are we, five, six years in, Jermaine? Longer than that, maybe? Come back there now. Uh, the past Wednesday night, I, I, was, I get to be a little freer now on Wednesday nights, which means they call me if one of the kids acts up and I have to go act like I'm stern. And I'm the wimpiest one. I'm just sitting with them like, you do whatever you want, man. It's no big deal. <laughs> Jermaine's going to demote me from that position. Uh, no, but I get, to, I get to move around, so I was just being involved and just going from class to class and stuff. And, and we bust in 115 kids 
Well, we bust in so many all together. We had 115 kids here on Wednesday night. Every one of them heard from a lesson from the Bible. Every one of them was loved on. Every one of them was fed that night before they went home. Why? Because we refused to change our course. And we had every good reason to change. But you don't make an impact if you keep changing. If you keep picking something different, if you keep going different directions, you're not accomplishing anything. You're going to meet yourself coming. There's something about remaining. There's something about staying in this thing and being so committed. Why? Because this is the word God gave me. And when he gives the word, I don't get to give my opinion with it. I go with it. I stick to it. And I remain. I stick to the course. I want to give you a couple of scriptures that to me speak about an obstinate characteristic or a lack thereof. Uh, you can write down Ephesians 4. I'm going to read 11 through 14. These are very popular scriptures, but I really want to pull up the end of this that I feel like we kind of just don't really pay much attention to. Four, Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Check this out. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, the trickery of men, cunning craftiness, or deceitfulness. If you don't have this obstinate characteristic, you will be tossed back and forth when you hear a doctrine that doesn't line up with what you know is right. Well, maybe, maybe that is it. Maybe there is more than one way to God. Maybe this is right. Maybe, maybe we don't see those things anymore. Maybe those were just for a certain time. These are all doctrinal things that we hear all the time. And so your mind will start thinking, you know, I actually personally haven't seen someone get healed. So maybe it was just for a certain time. Oh, come on, I'm, I'm all up in your mail now. Right? And, and our mind starts working. Why? What is that? That's you changing course. That's you changing your opinion a little bit, even though, even though I, I, know, I know what the Bible says. None of us would disagree with the Bible. But your mind starts saying, well, maybe. Maybe. What, what if Joshua found himself at Jericho and thought, well, man, there ain't no way we're getting through them walls. Maybe what I was supposed to do was go this way, and then I could just go right around it. Wouldn't even matter. They weren't coming out to fight anyway. But he had a course. He had been given a course by God, and he refused to change his course. James 1, verses 6 and 8 says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let no man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Unstable in all his ways. Why? Because something tossed him off course. Something was like, ah, well, maybe not. And so I begin to look at these two scriptures and notice something. The first one is tossed off course by doctrine, trickery, and deceit. The second one is tossed off course by wind. 
So I begin to dig into these and look, and this is, this is what Holy Spirit began to show me. The first one, tossed off course by doctrine, trickery, and deceit, that deals specifically with what people say. Doctrine, trickery, and, and, and deceit. Those are all spoken things. So he said, the first thing that's knocking my people off course is what people are saying. People say something in disagreement. People throw out a really legitimate argument. And all of a sudden, we're, we're back and forth. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe so, maybe not. The second one, tossed off course by the wind. That's circumstances. Stuff happens. We go through things in life. And if those things toss me off course, then I've lost an obstinate characteristics that it, that it takes to walk in my destiny. People begin, I, I feel like we, we, we dealt with that pretty well. People say things, doctrine comes up, whatever it may be. Circumstances. I make up my mind, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where God's telling me to go. This is what he's asking me to do. Well, then all of a sudden, guess what? The circumstances around me don't bow to meet my needs. Matter of fact, most times they don't care about my needs. It's life, people. It happens. But the problem is when we take those circumstances and start making our decisions based on that circumstance. Well, man, brother, I'm experiencing a lot of resistance. Welcome to the walk of faith. Welcome to being on course. Because guess what? After this Jericho, next is the land of the giants. And guess what? After you beat the giants, five kings are going to get together and they're all going to try to take you out. So good luck. I gave Jody a really encouraging word this morning. I told her, I said, look, just getting started in ministering, you know, and, and this is what I want you to know. From now on, before you get ready to minister, you will always be so nervous you want to die. You will want to throw up. You'll want to walk out. So let me encourage you and let you know that it never changes. So make up in your mind right now this is what you're going to do. Because there's going to be a time for me like this morning where I'm standing in the men's restroom, putting my mic on, leaned over the counter going, Ugh, I can't do this. This what, Somebody else, Colby, you're in. Take it. And in that moment, I have to know, but this is where he put me. God, I want to share some stuff with y'all right now, because if I ain't living this, I don't know who he is. Sometimes we know this course, we know where he's put us, but as soon as we step onto it, everything says, no, not me. There's no way I could do that. There's no way I could be the one. There's no way I can conquer this. There's no way I can get out of my insecurity. I'm too much of an introvert. I'm too much, I, 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 I don't like people. It felt better to say probably than it felt better to hear. I'm, I am, I'm going to be as honest as I can with you because I'm talking about God using grace to push us past our people, past our, who we are. I don't need more friends. That's my personality type. Like I have my family, and then I have a few little, and I'm okay with that. I'm the person that sees you in the grocery store and almost hurts myself trying to make sure I avoid you and don't have to get in a conversation. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot all of y'all love it when you see everyone and you're that person that runs and, oh, my God, how are you today? Don't do that to me. Don't, don't, don't do that to me, okay? I'll get so weird and uncomfortable, I'm telling you. And then it's just going to be awkward for everybody, all right? 
<laughs> Jennifer sat down behind me last night and was just, I don't know if y'all are around Jennifer much. She's weird. She's weird as a three-headed cat. Like, I don't even know what that means, but I heard it, and it sounds good. But she told me last night, she, she was saying something about, I know, I'm just weird, and sometimes I try not to be weird, and I'm just weirder. I was like, yeah, I know, I'm here right now watching this happen. Uh, <laughs> why am I telling you all this? Where are we even going? Who's leading this thing? Uh, I'm saying that because my natural nature is I could show up here on a Sunday morning and see nothing but maroon carpet and never talk to one, no one, never say anything. I mean, I'm working. I'm going to get everything done, and it's going to be done right, but I'm just not going to say anything, and I'm going to look at the carpet the whole time. And God said, oh, really? I'm going to call you to pastor people. Really? Like, just let me play the drums and hide back there in the sound room, and I'm good. Like, that's all I need to do. Why is this important? Because if you don't know where you're called, that circumstance is going to talk you out of doing what you're supposed to do. If you don't know you got a word, oh, come on, let's bring it all the way down to the most basic thing. I'm at the grocery store, and I'm buying 14 different kinds of cereal. That's not a joke. Like, you can ask my wife. I spend more money on cereal than anything else. <laughs> I love cereal. So I'm, I'm, say I'm there and I'm buying, you know, every kind of cereal I can think of. And God says, that person at the other end of the aisle needs to know they're loved. Now I have a choice to make. Now this is super simple. But if I know now that's my course, God has placed them in my course. What now? Do I avoid Jericho? Like, no, not having a day. <laughs> I got to get my cereal and get out of here. Or do I decide, you know what? This is the course that has been chosen for me. And I can't change it. I just obey it. I just, and every time I do, I get a little more of my destiny. Every time I do, I get a little more of my promise. Every time I do, I see a little bit more. I look a little bit more like him. Every time I do, I, I'm being transformed into the image of the only begotten son. Every time he's moving us. A good example of this, as we're getting ready to wrap this up, a great example of this is Paul gets shipwrecked, right? God says, you're going to Rome. Paul gets on a ship and heads to Rome. He's doing what he's told. A storm comes and destroys the ship. Now, I need to put this into some relatable context. I don't mean he got in a vehicle and was going to drive to where God told him to go and had a flat tire. Okay? I mean he's on a ship in the sea. And the storm becomes so great, it destroys the boat. Look, my wife is begging me to go on a cruise right now. She almost, she almost tricked me into it a few months ago, and then I caught on to everything. I am so scared of drowning. Like, if I'm going to die, it ain't going to be from drowning. So don't put me on no big boat and put me out in the middle of the ocean. Like, I need to know wherever I'm at, I can swim to the shore. I'm a good swimmer. But you get me so far, I can't see the land, I start getting, uh, you know what I mean? So he's in a ship in the middle of the sea, and it gets destroyed. I'm thinking at this point, I missed it. Maybe Rome wasn't my thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just super ambitious, so maybe I wasn't supposed to go to Rome. Not Paul. 
Paul grabs a board and starts kicking his feet. Like, God said I'm going to Rome, so somehow we get into Rome. The problem is you want God to just transport you to Rome. Destiny sounds great. So God, if when I say this prayer, you could just suck me up and put me in my destiny, that would be fantastic. God said, no, that would be great. But instead, I'm going to put you on a ship, and then I'm going to crush it. <laughs> Welcome to Christianity. Let me, inc- let me bless you with that this morning. God is going to put you on a ship, and then he's going to send a wave, and it's going to crush it. It's like Scott's thing the other night. The roadrunner got in the building, and God was speaking to them through the roadrunner, and it was running around, and then it hit the door and died. That's the worst story I've ever heard in my life. Listen, if you don't know you're supposed to go to Rome, then when the ship crashes, you'll go somewhere else. If you don't know you're supposed to house women, who have been in some messed up situations and see them recovered, then after the first, I don't know, couple hours, you'll quit. (laughs) Trust me, that's a ministry that I'm on the outside just looking in. I'm like, oh, ain't no way. No way. That ain't my lane. That ain't my ship. I ain't got to worry about sinking with that one. You see what I'm saying? But what happens is, (laughs) what happens is, I don't mean it. I don't, you know what I meant. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is, when your ship goes down, it would be really great. It would be funner to preach. Your ship ain't going down. That would be fun, and we could shout and dance, and it would be great. But let me help you. When it does go down, you're going to change course. You're going to say, you know what, it would just be easier if I went back. You know what I mean? Because Paul's ministry was banging. Like, nobody was doing it like him. And then he's like, you know what? God told me to go to Rome. Let's go over there. You know, the place where the ministry wasn't banging and they kill him. You know what I mean? That place. I bless you with that. So he gets on this ship. Just like God has called so many of you to a destiny. He's called us into so many things, whether it was leading a small Bible study or, or, or just speaking into a young person, whether it's a certain, maybe God has called you into a, a job, a certain area, a certain thing, whatever it may be. When you know God has put you there, when your ship gets crushed, are you going to use that as the reason that you change your decision, change your course, change your whatever? Or is that going to be the moment where you say, you know what, grab a board because I'm not in Rome yet. So it can't be over. The good news is Paul knew he wasn't going to die because he wasn't in Rome yet. Um, somebody needs to take that right now. He, he, he knew God done told me I was going to be in Rome. Matter of fact, he stands up on the bow of the ship and says, while the ship's being destroyed, he stands up on the bow of the ship and says, oh, chill out, fellas. It ain't gonna, we ain't going to die because I ain't in Rome. And they're probably all thinking, you're about to die because I'm about to drown you. He was so convinced that that was where he was supposed to be. But you can't make a declaration that bold and then not get on a board and start kicking your feet. So let, let, let me give you this before we close this out. Don't start making bold declarations until you're so convinced that when you don't have the ship underneath you, you're still going to find a way to get there. 
you're still going to make every effort and you're going to press in and you're going to dig in and you're going to say, you know what, it's not comfortable and it's tough now and it's not what I thought it was going to look like. Be strong and courageous. This isn't what you said it was going to be like, God. Be strong and courageous. You didn't tell me there was going to be giants in the land. Be strong and courageous. You didn't tell me all five kings are going to get mad and gang up on me. Be strong and courageous. Be stubbornly committed to your course. And I believe that when we start living in this characteristic, we're going to march through our destiny like we never knew it was possible. <laughs> the enemy's going to hear us come and hide in the walls and say, no, uh-uh, we done heard what y'all do. We done heard what's taking place down there. Not only that, but the scripture that, that dad keeps bringing up to us all. I believe it's maybe in Ecclesiastes, and I'm closing with this. That's my fifth time to say that, so it's actually legit now. Ten men from ten nations will jerk on your shirt and say, I want to know your God. I want to know your God. How can they come to us and begin to say, I want to know who it is you serve if I'm constantly being tossed back and forth? If every time I turn around, I'm back over here and, and then I'm back over here. And, and I'm, not even, I'm not even necessarily dealing with Getting out of church and getting in church and getting out of church and getting in church. If that's the problem, you just need it. You need an encounter with God. You need a true salvation experience. What I'm talking about is once we're in, we're everywhere. Oh, I'm, this is my calling today. This is what I'm after. This is what I'm going after. And tomorrow it's something else. And then tomorrow it's something else. Why? Because every time you move in that direction, something's going to punch you in the mouth. Who was that famous boxer that said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth? Was it Tyson? I figured that. He said, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Let me help you guys out. We've got some big plans for 2020. Here in Life Church, we've got some awesome plans. But what I want to know is not just the people that are excited about the plans. I want people around me who keep swinging after they get punched in the mouth. I want you to just get punched in the mouth and say, you know what? Forget the plan, but I know where I'm supposed to be. Like, it sounded good in the, in the boardroom when we drew it on the little marker board and we said we're going. That all sounded good, but you know what? Forget all that. I just need to get where I'm going. So maybe this morning God just sent me by to, to give you a heads up. <laughs> That's encouraging. Give you a heads up that your ship's probably about to sink. Maybe you're about to get punched in the mouth. Maybe you're about to run into your Jericho. Maybe right now you're standing at your Jericho and you're looking at walls that seem uh, impenetrable. And you're saying, God, how? I can't do this. I can't. How can I do this? How can I, how can I lead a church? How can I lead a small group? How can I lead my family? Staring at your Jericho. God is saying, this is the course I've given you. This is the course I've given you. Be stubborn about it. Be stubborn about it. Man, I didn't get near where I thought I was going to get this morning. Father, I just thank you this morning. God, I, I, I just want to pray over the people this morning. I believe we're all being called into destiny and into purpose and we all have great plans and, and direction and ideas, but 
But God, give us a obstinate characteristic that makes us so stubborn that no matter what happens, I refuse to change my course. God, no matter what they say, no matter what comes up, I refuse to change my course. I, I really didn't intend to, to do any of this this morning or really do an altar call or anything, but I just, I just feel, I feel an impression. <laughs> it's a new word I learned from Scott. If y'all didn't get his teaching, it was phenomenal. I feel an impression right now to uh, specifically just pray, pray for some people. Uh, so that being said, uh, if you need to go, if you need to leave now, that's totally okay. We love you. If you're a first-time visitor, please stop by our Welcome Center. Somebody will. And also, if you want to hang around, we're going to do a baptism here in a minute, and it's going to be incredible. So if you want to hang around for those, that's awesome. But we are going to take some time to pray for some people this morning. Uh, so I can't wait to celebrate this baptism. I'm so glad you said it. But I want to take a moment. I, ha- I can't pass this up. I can't be obedient. And if, if I'll, I'll be disobedient if I don't. So this morning, I feel like there's, Colby, can you slide this out of the way? There's, there's some people here this morning, this morning's message just, it's so resonating with you on a level that you can legitimately say, now I don't want, I don't know how to do this. Uh, I don't mean like you just, some things are not good. I mean like, you know God has called you into a destiny and you are 100% certain you're standing in front of your Jericho and the wall seems like it's too much. That so much so that even this week you've thought to yourself, that I can't. I just can't do this. I can't continue in this direction. Whether that may be where you're at in life, a ministry. I don't want you to just think ministry, though. we got to get bigger than that. Or a, a, a job or a business or, or whatever it is. Your family. God's calling you to lead your family. If you are so certain this morning and you feel the... If you feel like you're standing in the shadow of the walls of Jericho, I want you to come up here to the front. Courtney, Taylor. The thing about this, when you're in this position, one of the scariest things about responding to something like this is you know that once you respond, then you're responsible for moving into your destiny. So often the wall is not what keeps us from this response. What keeps us from the response is knowing that if the wall comes down, I have to move forward. So I'm going to take just a moment because I'm convinced I want to see you in your destiny. I want to see you living in the fullness of the purpose that's in your life. And I refuse to let any Jericho keep us from that. So I'm going to take just a minute, Colby. Father, we thank you this morning. I feel the tension of destiny in the room. I feel the tension the, the resistance of your purpose and your destiny in the room this morning. I feel like we're so close. When Joshua told him in three days we're crossing over, in three days there was a tension, there was an anxiousness, there was a nervousness along with an excitement that said, I'm so close, I'm so close to my destiny. 
God baptize us with a stubbornness that says, this is my course and I refuse to change it. This is where I've been called and I refuse to change it. I believe God's going to give you some obstinate, an obstinate characteristic in parenting. God's about to help some of you as parents that you're going to live with a stubbornness as it relates to the destiny over your child. And you will refuse to let anything come in that could rob that child of their destiny. You will be so committed to the protection of their purpose that your stubbornness will not allow anything to come in and destroy that young person's life. That child's destiny is your responsibility and you will get to hand out the inheritance to your children if you're stubborn enough to go against culture, to go against what people are saying, to go against what's popular, to whatever it may be, you have to stand and say, not in my house. Joshua stood and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Kenny, you wanna go ahead and go start getting ready? As they're getting ready, let me just pray over you one more time. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that your grace is so incredible. Your mercy is new every morning, and you are leading us and guiding us on this journey and this path. You're taking us to a place. You're calling Life Church into our destiny, into our purpose. You're building healthy families. You're building strong families. Give us the stubbornness, the commitment, the desire to remain in there when it gets tough, that we'll stay committed, we'll stay connected, and we'll stay obedient. Father, we thank you for it this morning. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for newness of life. We thank you that this morning we're going to celebrate the baptism of a, of a son coming home to you, the return of your son. Father, we thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, the whole family said, amen. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.